You are listening to Detect Design Podcast. We are delighted to present to you our latest podcasts, the only place to set your imagination free. Design inspiration comes in many forms. As product designer, trendsetter, or innovator, we find it is important to keep up to date. We are a playground that brings stories and inspirations about design and related projects that make great impacts on your life, hearing someone's life stories and real experiences. Keeping up with trends, tips, and more about world of product design and development. Detect. We've existed to create your extraordinary experiences. Hi, this is Michael Waits and welcome to the Detect Podcast. On this show, we focus on the development of innovative consumer and commercial products that create social impact, harness the latest technologies and inspire industry leadership. I am recording as usual from True Digital Park and I'm joined today by Terry Scott, the owner of In Your Zone. I feel like he's recording from his car. How are you doing, Terry? Very well, thank you, Michael. It's a Pleasure to be with you today, and you're exactly right. I'm always on the move, so yeah. I hope I'm you're here not in the car. I hope you're not using your car as your quarantine. Yes and no. Yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We can get we can get to that in a second. Can you give our listeners a little bit of your background for context? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I've grown up in multiple different industries over the years from the building industry, civil construction, professional truck driver, then mining, uh, oh, wow. where we, yeah, underground shop creating. So it was part of ground support to keep everyone safe. So there was a system and a structure and, and that was a real, it was a real changing, challenging time in an industry, uh, teaching the industry to go from bolt and mesh to shop creating and bolt. So that really developed a lot of um, skills that I carry with me today. Did you say you were driving a truck underground? Yeah, we drove um, Agi trucks back then before they were banned. Um, and then all different sorts of machining. Our spray mac was very unique machinery to be driving underground. So Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I love, I love driving. I, I can drive day and night. So give me a machine or a car or... Oh, motorbike, I'm happy. <laughs> so I was telling you this before we started recording, but I have, I've actually done a, a recording with another guy in his car before, and I, I think I mentioned this to you. When we were done, 30 minutes after we started, he said, uh, can I put my arm down? And that's why I asked you, like, what are you using as a device? I said, arm down, what do you mean? And he said, I've been holding my phone in front of me like this the whole time. I'm like, dude, you should have told me. So I'm hoping you're on a laptop or something. I'm on the laptop. Oh, if I, I've got my friend Nito, where you've got the arm and the phone holder, and I think he, I think he needs a Nito. Might have to be able to send him one. <laughs> Maybe we'll, we'll get the Nito in a, in a couple of minutes. But I want to find out from you, how did you go from some of the other industries where you were working into design? And part of the reason why I ask is because most people spend their whole lives; they don't ever change careers from one thing to another thing. But you've changed a couple of times. First of all, and second of all. I've always thought that people who were doing product design, you know, went to design school, apprentice with somebody, and just spent years figuring it out. How, how did you get involved in, and why? Um, probably having such a diverse background of mm -hmm. jobs. Yeah, that was that. 
that was one thing to become always comfortable um, in a new environment, starting out, learning, going through the processes and systems again, and always starting from the bottom, going up. Right. Uh, so that in itself always teaches you, you have to learn something the way someone else teaches you, and then you adapt your own skills and you sort of add to it your own personal touch right. to make it more efficient or better to yourself. And so um, basically it comes back to my internal structure. I'm a real systems and structures person and I'm a real details man. So combine those two together and um, that's – that well – and probably the other aspect to it is um, both my grandpa- uh, grandfathers were uh, design engineers, so must just run in the blood or something like yeah, that. So, so, so whereas I took the not so much the schooling route, right. I took the the actual hands-on, and um, and it, I was just like anyone else that basically when I did have that light bulb moment which was in 2009 2009. um it it really struck me um before that i'd had ideas and stuff like that uh this one really sort of sunk in It, it really hit a nerve and and that awareness of diverse industries gave me that awareness there was such a gap in the market right and that's and that's why i was like oh wow that's that's cool I was just a person that, that didn't study this sort of thing, right. um, study design or, or go to university or something specifically for that. And I was like, wow, how do you take this idea and, and turn, turn it, it into something? Actually, into a physical product. And actually good ideas can be taken or ripped off so to speak so so yeah i had all those questions um throughout that process and it took three and a half years to conceptualize how the product would work because um while i had a production company i used to do filming and gary at chevs we were doing a lot of four-wheel drive aftermarket parts (laughs) and i'd be filming i'd be filming the process and the mechanics working on the car and Gary always used to like look at me with this funny look going, what's he looking at? Like so, I'd be filming, but I'd be looking, looking at something else. And it'd be like, here's the yeah, question. so here's it's the, all about. Yeah, sorry, here's the question. All about, here's the question I want to yeah. ask you though. Do you mind? Oh, it's a bit of a delay. Yeah, sorry. No, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> so one of the things I always wonder, right, is, and I, I ask this question to some of my students when we're trying to sort of iterate and ideate around pain points in their lives or things that they see are insufficient. And I did another recording with some designers that are based in Bangkok. And one of the things that they said to me was, they're not even trying, but when they look around at the world, all they see is imperfection. Does that make sense? Um, And that when they see that imperfection, they're inspired to try to fix it. Right? And it it seems to me that like that is part of your design focus, that you looked around and thought, what are the things that not just I need, but that people need and it almost just based on the neato tools that you've built, and I want to get into that in a second. I want to get into that inspiration that you had, but I also want to understand: is it 
did you build it for you? Did you build it because there were conversations that you were having with people that were around you? And when it finally hit you, did you feel like a eureka moment or was it more just like a progression over time of everyone's going to need these things and now that I have it, I don't think I could live without it? Like, how did, how did that happen? Probably all of what you just said, <laughs> if that answers it. Kind of. <laughs> I'll leave it up to you. <laughs> no, not to me. Come on. No, but you know what I mean, right? You know I'm what I mean. Joking, right? yeah. But so, do you look at the world so, and see imperfection, or do you look at the world and just think like, and how can I fill these gaps? Like, what does it look like to you? Out yeah. There? So at, at the very start, uh, probably my background and understanding through my environment as I grew up, right. I wasn't I wasn't brought up. Uh, to look for a commercial value it was just you're brought up to do your job and find a better way to do your job that makes it easier on yourself and so definitely in the in the mining aspect when the situations that we we were in and the period of time in the industry that there was a lot of change we um we had to innovate a lot to make the job work and um so then when it was the actual nido light bulb i was mucking around on my own car uh and so that was like that oh okay my background in diverse industries and me being a shed warrior mucking around on the car and understanding the, the entire industry i was like oh wow this doesn't just work for me this works for for an entire industry should do and that's where i yeah and that's where i knew how big right then straight away i knew how big big the problem was in the industry throughout and and so knowing the different you have a shed warrior mechanic which was me just tinkers at home you have the professional mechanic that's done his trade and then you have different mechanics you have your different industry mechanics so your car mechanic, your bike mechanic, your boat mechanic, your mining mechanic, right. heavy machinery. And that's where it was like, wow, I really know that there's nothing on the market that solves this problem. I'm having this problem and I know everyone else is having this problem and all my past history I've had this problem <laughs> and, and there's no future to this problem. And that's where it took as I was trying to say before it took three and a half years of filming and watching different mechanics the filming really gave me that platform to really watch different mechanics in different industries from race team mechanics to workshop mechanics to me as a shed warrior and it's like he's left-handed he's right-handed right. Uh, oh they're working in here now they're working under there they're working above so so that's why it really took because I had no other product to uh, copy and paste. Right, to benchmark this, it against, right? Yeah. So this was um, – and, and then ultimately the whole, the whole uh, umbrella over that would be I never, I never knew anything about how you would take a problem, have a product, and then commercialize it. Okay. So, never done that. So tell me about this. What was it like when you first sat down? I don't know if you drafted it or if you used some CAD CAM. Like I don't even know if that exists anymore. But how did you how did you actually design this product? What was the process that you went through to do that? And what did you want the so, end goal to be? When you sat down first, like, mm, I want to design this thing. And then how did you do it? And what did you expect that thing to be at the end? 
yeah, so that's a that, that was a great process in itself to to find the pieces on how to do that <laughs> from someone that's never done it. And and it was it was starting off with piece of paper and pen and myself sketching it out and right. um and 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 working all that first initial process out. Then then it was well uh, three and a half years later it was like uh, I spoke to my uncle that was the the um the best person at the time I could could go to for advice and he introduced me to Brian. So Brian's been there from day one. We first had the meeting who's and he's who's commercialization strategist, trademarks, um, IP and so market research and everything like that. And Brian is just one of the most beautiful people you can meet. He's just He's just genuine. You can't fake genuine. And someone that cares about his industry and 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 as you would know f- from your history, that there's so much up and down yeah. in this yeah. in this phase before it becomes a real thing to a lot of people. Yeah. And and that in itself takes a very unique type of person to be able to see and, and look over and especially to to see someone like myself so keen, so determined and committed, I just needed to understand the process. And so he became virtually my mentor and really good friend and also an overseer to the business. And um, Nito, where we stand today and in your zone as a brand, is is in a better place because of him. So, so I, I owe so much to... Um, himself and a lot of other people too that have stood up behind. Yeah, it's really interesting. There's a there's a struggle in the entrepreneurial world, and whether it's a design struggle or a monetary struggle or a confidence struggle, you know, an imposter syndrome struggle, whatever it is. If you don't have the right people around you, we talked about it again offline. No one succeeds alone, right? You said it before. Absolutely. What what is that? Teams win championships. Teams win premierships. Teams, yeah. teams win premierships. And it sounds really trite, but the fact of the matter is it's really true because, like you said, I'm going to use my hand to do this, but the ups and downs are huge. And most people give up for a bunch of different reasons, but most people give up before they get to where they wanted to go. And in a way, it's sad, right? But you clearly did not. You want to talk a little bit more about what the product is itself? I love the colors, by the way. Black, that black and those blue, those are my colors. You can see what I'm wearing. Um, and I love the shirt, so if I can get a shirt, I'm always wanting more shirts. Absolutely, yep. <laughs> I love it. But, but tell me more about the product, right, and what, what the thought process was, why you wanted to build this thing, these, this Nito thing. So it comes back to the original um, sitting down with Brian, his right. understanding of what the possibilities was mm-hmm. um, through which path do you want to choose. And he ultimately, I'll never forget, he said, do you want to, do you want to build a product that you're just going to flog off, right. or do you do you want to build a brand? Yeah, and and that's where I said, well, it's my dream to build a brand. Um, and so so with that question followed a lot of values that you have to tick off to make that happen, and that's where you're talking about that commitment yeah. and determination to stick true to those values. Right right through the process no matter how challenging it is to meet those values yeah. and so so um that was a real 
that was a real good pathfinder. Uh, and speaking of the colours, uh, back in the day where the first website I had built, um, the guys designed the uh, logos. So we had the name. We'd done trademarks and then it was putting the visual aspect to the name. Uh, so the logos, and they came up with the color concept uh, six and a half years ago. Okay. So, so yeah, it was ahead of its time um, and ultimately couldn't be happier as a brand owner to, to still have today. And I, I see it still being the same way. That's our icon um, where Nike's got their tick. That's, that's our icon. And I can see that icon being forever like Nike's tick. So thank you. So it's, it's those, those people that, um, and it's, and it's in that process, allowing those people to bring their creativity because ultimately, as you were talking before, anyone that, that has an idea and it's such a difficult space is, is, is the creativity of you, your, your big vision of the creativity and, and what I designed originally as Nito, the product to what it is today. It's such a better product today because during that process, the guys that built the logo or style guide, um, to Daniel's team that helped design and build, build the product, engineer the product. And I seen it and, overseen the details of why the product would have to have certain aspects to it. So it's one thing to have the vision right. and there's another aspect to be able to have the patience and, and that allowance of creativity, allowing other people to be free to create in their space and then watching all those creativities come together and, and like a gearbox, yeah. it, it comes together and works. And so in a car's gearbox, if it's running, you can travel a long distance. Smooth. And if you try and smash the teeth up, well, you're going to be sitting in the car park still. So, <laughs> so I'd rather be out in a nice windy road and, 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 and enjoying the adventure. So. so tell me about the product itself. Like what are the components of it? How did you decide which components were necessary? And please tell me at the end why there's a funnel. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great question um so so nito it's it, we we call it the world's first the world's uh best tool management system okay and and it's it's really it's purposefully designed to focus on the same as the saying goes when your tools are in your toolbox you'll know where to find them as soon as you're actively working within arm's reach Right. Is what we call in your zone, uh, your tools end up anywhere and everywhere. Right. So, so with that, it was how do you how do you have a base? How do you have something that connects attachments that you need, which you'd need multiple attachments with tools. You've got magnetic tools. You've got your phone. You've got your light. Um, so we've got the magnetic tub the magnet board, then you've got your phone holder that can hold any size phone, right. charge at any point. Uh, you've got your light, which is the next generation light that we have now with amazing new features. Uh, and then ultimately the funnel. So 
it was how do you how do you bring all of those pieces into a smooth adaptable uh functionality right so then it, then it was another challenge well how do you build performance in that functionality so it becomes a tool of efficiency it's yeah. no good being able to have a tool of efficiency when it's no not efficient to use it so um we i sort of took the apple approach where it really needed to be really easy on the on the front to to use and apply and then behind the scenes no one needed to know how difficult it was so at times during the design process um we there was times where we were stuck for probably about three months really like there was yeah there was no design there was no there was no way to design around certain challenges what was what was one of those Um, challenges can you tell me i'm really curious Oh, it's um, a little bit in-house still. That's okay. So Never mind. Go ahead. It, it, it's challenges for our um, competitors if they want to sort of come to market. I so, um, so in that there was not just one. There was, and then there was um, ultimately just fine-tuning. Right. Um, and and so, so what people probably don't understand is. There's a real physical aspect to this product. When people see the physical aspect, they're like, wow, yeah. that's that's a whole lot of product. When when people see this product over the internet, they're a bit like, well, oh, it's hard to judge the size of it. It's hard to judge yeah. uh, the performance of it. It's hard. So, so that's a challenge in itself there. Um, so with that, like there's, there's, there's many components to a Porsche engine in the Neato kit that all had to talk to each other right. for this one product or this one kit to, to work together efficiently. How, so, many, how many iterations do you think you went through at scale for like each design and what was it like? Yeah, it, I'm sure it was a lot, but I'm really curious because again, I think that's one of the things that most people don't understand. And let me back up for a second. I think people look at something like the iPhone or the Neato, right? Highly, highly engineered devices and just think, you know, three guys and two gals sat in a room one day, whiteboarded it out, gave it away to somebody, and two months later they got back the final thing. It's not the way yeah. it happens, right? No, not at all. Not at all. So not from scratch either. No, um, no, no, Yeah, not not from innovative first. From from um, an already product in the market. Right. Yeah, okay. You just go and buy it and copy yeah. it. and Like, definitely. Right. Um True innovative first take time. Yeah. Anything anything in history that was the first to be innovated into a new market like a car or um, certain tools back in the day as well, like a ratchet. Yeah. Exactly that. They they take time. They've got moving parts and components and and it's and you you have a lot to figure out being the first. Like the light bulb, we had a bit to figure out as well. So so um, yeah, we were in that space for a long time. So even before we done prototype one, so the process is concept, conceptualization, and then and then we turn them into proper engineer CAD drawings, and yeah. and and those in themselves, the designer from my my vision of three and a half years to um, the designer picking it up very early stages um 
what they come back to me, the first few drawings they come back, I was like, no. No. <laughs> no, no. What are those wheels for? I don't understand it. Yeah. So uh, Nito has a, has a beautiful outline and, and I'd like, when I have time with my graphic designer, um, the concept drawings yeah. and each of those stages yeah. all the way through to the prototyping um, and then right through to obviously the manufactured product. And even in that process from prototype one, mm-hmm. prototype two, um, and then also into the tooling phase, we, we, we found challenges and changed aspects of the product in the tooling stage that made the product better again because right. unless you went into those stages, you would never find the boundaries. You wouldn't and, know, right? No, that's right. Yeah, and and know. so then the other aspect to your question earlier was how did we come up with five attachments? Yeah. Uh, and that was, that was really cool because um, I went around and acted like I was doing a business um, grad sort of uh, um, education and, and I would go to workshops, bike mechanics, uh, boat mechanics and car mechanics and, and mates that tinkered, you know, on different things in their sheds. Uh, and and then um, I went to the uh, uh, TAFE where they teach kids how to be a mechanic and stuff. And, and I got all the kids in the room and they all did this questionnaire for me. And, and so from all them different questionnaires to what's their favourite tool, where right. do they buy their tools, um, what's their most used um, tool throughout the day. And that's how we came up with that initial, these five attachments will serve the market industry that we're targeting, which was ultimately when we started out the car mechanic yep. seven years ago. And then along the way, my best mate, he's a drone pilot and he was building drones before you could buy DGI in a box. And um, and so watching him and and – and so when he started to really evolve with with uh, professional drones as well, we were testing the prototype out in the field with him. And it's like, holy wow. Like, yeah. I could swear just then, but I... You can say whatever um, you want. But, but yes, but, it's, but this is what's kind of cool. industry. This yeah. is what's kind of cool, yeah. And that is, I was going to ask you, and you already answered the question, like what was the target market? So it's car mechanics or some kind of mechanic, right? Either using it in a shed or using it in a you know, in a place where there are lots of tools lying around. But I feel like I could use this at home, like on a desk. I don't know if you've done that or if you've sold to people like that, but I'm, I'm sure you have because it has a light. I've got paper clips, whatever I'm using. I always need a place to put my phone. If I have a USB charger, I've got to walk over to where the plug is. But all this stuff looks really cool to me. There have to be uses of it that maybe you haven't even considered, but even out in the field, you just like clamp it onto something, start plugging the stuff in, and then you can put all those tools in that he's using to fly the drone. It just seems like it's super useful, no? Absolutely. Um, and that that early on in its stage and, yeah. and having that much time through conceptualizing and then the design process and, and testing the prototype, that really brought out how big of an opportunity this was as a yeah, product. Fair enough. And and in 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 that itself, it was like um, it was really uh, disciplined to stay on the value proposition. Yeah. And and um, because ultimately we didn't have an unlimited budget. If if we did, we would have brought out 
a uh, hundred pieces like like a Makita kit. We would have brought out the Nito Makita kit in in one hit. So it, it, and so many decisions had to come back to what needs to be distinctively different in the marketplace for right, right. form, and also we're building a brand, so that needs to be. A, I'm a tool owner. We all want tools that we can use for many years down the track. So sure. we had to really make sure this was a high quality build, not something that people use once and right, tell all their yeah. mates how sh shit it was. So, <laughs> well, so what was it like? So I'm, I'm on, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm presuming where in Australia are you actually? In Melbourne, Australia. And where was, in, where was your physical design team? Where was their geography? So the, the design engineers to DTEC design mm -hmm. at, at first they were in uh, Taiwan. Okay. They had the office. Right. Yeah. So when after prototype one, uh, we met many challenges that aspects of the product had to change. Yeah. Uh, so all the testing though was done in Australia. Wow. So, um, so that was really that was really interesting to be multi culture, yeah. multi international, and then and then parts of the process had to be done internationally yeah. so there was no one better to test the product than me sure um and i'm not an engineer so i can only ask for what i know needs to be done right. not how to uh, do it. we and and that's another aspect a lot of people don't really understand is 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 when these engineers they're, they're amazing people when they're designing your product they're not only engineering it for your functionality and needs right they're also trying to engineer it for the manufacturing process. Right, right, right. So that in itself's another story. Yeah, they're trying to think um, about they're trying not they're trying to think in multiple levels, right? It all is almost like three dimensional in a way. They're saying, I know what you want, I know how to make that shape, but then how can I possibly, based on the tools that I know exist already, the machine tools, how can I build that thing? Yeah, yeah. They're, that that's why I keep coming back to teams win premierships. There's yeah. there's so many um, people with their years prior of experience that right. come to that point in the journey that you meet together and and it's it's like a symp symphony. Um, you've got the person waving the stick and you're right. always wondering what they're waving the stick at. So, <laughs> right. but when it comes together, it's. <laughs> It's, it's a beautiful sound. It's kind of it's kind of interesting. Right? It looks like the guy that's doing this is useless. Like anybody can do that, but in reality, if everybody is paying attention to what he's doing, then they understand the pace and the cadence of how they're supposed to play. And I have to believe that from an engineering standpoint. And I guess the point that I was trying to make was, if you're in Melbourne and your design team is remote, whether it's in Taiwan or in Bangkok, there are just like innate challenges that come from that. And the idea that you could actually work with a team of people that maybe at least at the beginning you'd never met face to face and they could still design a product of this quality and manufacture it at that quality is amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that, that in itself um, is, is, is another aspect to a person's character. Yeah, for sure. And can someone achieve that? And, right. and, um, and, and the biggest thing it taught me from going to see the team in Taiwan is how valuable relationships are. God, yeah. They they just took me in and, and I was instantly like family. And right. we had that prior over the 
internet, phone. And, yeah, go on. And, and, and it really taught me that still still the best form of, of innovation and creativity is done more efficiently and effectively face-to-face. Yeah, no matter what There's, happens, no matter what technology is built, I cannot agree with you more. Yeah, Got yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it's that energy of, of human um, connection. Yeah. Uh, so this kind of thing I, can never be replaced. That feel. I'm serious about this. Like that feeling of, and you don't have to touch for sure, but you've got to get to a place where you really feel like you know somebody. It's visceral, and it's in a way, it's tactile. Yeah, it's really important. Agree, two hundred percent with you. Yeah, yeah. There, there's, you, there's um, with death, I've always said like, there's no substitute for um, physical presence. Agreed. That's that's what hurts the most. Okay. So yeah, with, with with um, trying to achieve something, that personal connection is amazing, and and that in itself um. We've obviously been manufacturing out of Shenzhen, and yeah. and Daniel's D Tech teams moved from Taiwan to Bangkok, and so that's and and that's been a beautiful experience, being able to always be there and physically see and meet right. the team, and 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 they are such a great team, like they they really do welcome you in like a family, and yeah. and um and two two with that uh, Winkle, that's the manager in Shenzhen. Hmm. I call him Mr. Shenzhen or Master Winkle because um, he's he he knows everybody and 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 certain challenges and and what what people probably would certainly not understand is is that um, as a startup company trying to build a product, there's a whole different relationship and process to the relationship of manufacturing. Yeah. Versus a corporate company that's got big dollars and 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 big manufacturing opportunities. So so he's been able to work at a level that I, I truly believe a lot of people could not do. Yeah, um, that takes certain personalities. And so when I would sit down with Winkle, um, and there's certain aspects of performance that we wanted out of the product that manufacturers had to understand to to talk to Winkle in English and then my job was done right. and I'd sort of sit back and um, and listen to Winkle go to work for me and you and you really hope that your representative is is got your best interest understood you right. and 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 that process in itself was like everything's taken away from you 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 really have to trust in how you you deliver and then the person that works with you how they then deliver and here's another key aspect to why nito is as good as what it is today because of that extra effort and that personal relationship has really shone in the product yeah like you, you you look at products that are that are put together by someone whether it's in their home shed or in the marketplace and you go, yeah, that's cheap and nasty or, or it's yeah. easy at a hard time trying to figure that out. Or you look at a real product that, that you can see there's value in, in the behind the scenes of uh, there's, there's a team, there's, there's a, there's a care aspect yeah. to the and consumer. I believe as a society, when, 
when when a consumer society gets back to that understanding right. of of what it is between a product of purpose right. and and a team versus a product of just let's fill the space. Yeah, it's a, big, it's, it's a big difference. It's a really big difference. Yeah. And look, let's leave that as our last thought. I want people to understand where they can find more out about Nito, maybe where they can order it. And then I just want to thank you for taking so much time in your car to do this today. But tell, <laughs> tell people tell people where they can where they can find out more. So uh, in your zone, I N U R Z O N E dot com mm -hmm. that's our home website we're on social media in your zone okay. instagram and facebook awesome uh at purchasing wise we're still in startup so okay. we've only manufactured the first 300 okay awesome. uh so so anyone in europe or the uk it's more of a they have to reach out at the moment okay um where we're uh as the US and Australia, it's more, see, there's another aspect we can talk a lot about too is bringing the product to market and being regional and global, um, it takes a lot of a lot of money and a lot of effort to try and do that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and then anyone that wants to reach out through the website personally and, and find out more directly, I'm, I'm always a big one to to have relationships and, and talk directly. And, and, and this is the best form of um, education for a lot of people. Agreed. And, and uh, yeah, so I really wanted to thank you for today as well. That, that's, that's, that's a big, um, I just really appreciate your time and effort and it's, my and it's moments like this. Thank you. Yeah, it's really my pleasure. I really want to thank you, and I want people to know your name, Terry Scott, the owner of In Your Zone. I love the name of that company, and I love that logo. I want to point, point that out on your shirt so people can see it. Like, I love that logo. That, the icon? Yeah, yeah, the icon is awesome. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, thank, thank you, you so much, Terry. Yeah. You are listening to Detect Design Podcast. We are delighted to present to you our latest podcasts, the only place to set your imagination free. Design inspiration comes in many forms. As product designer, trendsetter, or innovator, we find it is important to keep up to date. We are a playground that brings stories and inspirations about design and related projects that make great impacts on your life, hearing someone's life stories and real experiences. Keeping up with trends, tips, and more about world of product design and development. Detect. We've existed to create your extraordinary experiences. 